So what we were feeling for this morning is to just get testimony from guys that were at the conference just to share around what they experienced in those sessions or what revelations they had. So, um, yeah, we did ask guys to prepare if you, if you had something to share, but there, there wasn't a great response, so we're not too sure how many of you have got, um, so we're going to, let's just trust that, that there is um, testimony. So Andrew, I think the, the, the conference started, so for me, my experience, my revelation, my encounter started right in the beginning. We arrived trying to get into the gate, and there was, I think I said to Berlin, it's the longest traffic queue I've ever been in in my life. We waited um, over an hour, but I was very patient. Normally I wouldn't, you know, normally I queue for 15 minutes and then I'm done, that's it. But um, I think we got there at quarter past eight and we got into the session 20 past nine. Um, so I'm like, wow, that's a miracle that right there that I was just calm inch by inch on that clutch, first gear, first gear, car off, car on, enjoying the fruit of the spirit of self-control. <laughs> Patience and long-suffering. But anyway, so there was a miracle right there before that session had even started. Um, but then Andrew shared, so Andrew was stuck in that same traffic queue, and um, he was supposed to be at a, a, a pre-time prayer meeting. So with the guys that are helping him, helping him lead on the day, they'll get together and they'll pray, and they'll just try to get a sense of where um, God's taking us or what God wants to do in those sessions. And he wasn't there. And Andrew was leading the thing. So he was uh, stuck in the queue and he decided at, I think just before nine, he needed to break rank. He needed to get out of the queue, push past everyone else. And um, so he started the session just by apologizing that he had broken the queue. So Andrew leads the 412 movement. Um, you know, it's hundreds of churches. He has an apostolic gift. He is our super apostle. No. <laughs> Um, that was exactly the thing. He didn't want uh, people to think that he broke the queue because he was more important. Uh, and I think that set the tone. And for a lot of people that are looking into this church and this movement of churches where by nature as men we build up, to, we build up a man you know, that could intercede on our behalf. We don't want to see God face to face. We want a man. And, and um, Andrew has never wanted to be that. He's... He's um, called by God and gifted by God for a certain function within the body of church, like each one of us is. And the, the bigger this organization gets or this movement gets, the easier it is for the, the nature of man to, to be something that it's not. And he doesn't want us. And I think that's, he brought that quite strongly. He broke you uh, only because of the necessity to be leading this thing. Um, and that was a, I think there was quite an eye-opener for a lot of people. And I, I think someone mentioned that, Lona, did you say that was a, when Andrew shared that, it was something broke in you in terms of seeing with Dan. Did anyone, on, so on Andrew's, um, I think, so, I forget who it was. Anyway, but that thing, um, Andrew sharing that had an impact on people just setting the foundation of what the, the next few days was going to be like. 
that even for us that lead this congregation, we, we love the Lord like you love the Lord. We've been called to lead, but we're not better than. My wife will tell you that we are just men um, and women serving the church, serving Jesus, uh, love him, he, loving him and loving you as best as we can. But we're still weak and we need him to strengthen us. We need his grace every day. Um, amen, amen. So that was the first session. So Andrew shared on that also that we're a people, we're a royal priesthood. We're a, a priesthood of believers where every single one of us uh, is doing their part in building the kingdom of God. Every single one of us. And we trust as a congregation um, and as we relate to each other, we encourage each other to be everything you can be in God. All right, that, that's, we have a function to do. We all have that same function, is to encourage each other, to help each other mature, to help each other continue the race, to help each other persevere in sharing the word, in bringing people through, helping people see him, helping them in, the, in their faith. Each one of us have that responsibility. It's not the responsibility of a few. It's a responsibility on every single one of us. Our responsibility is not to build our career, not to build our family and our homes. Those things we do under him, with him. But that's not the goal. The goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls and the salvation of those that we, we know and love and those that we don't know. All right. Session one, that was that. So I just summarized in five minutes an hour's preach. Then we went into, who preached second? Kevin. Kevin Aldridge spoke about um, exactly what I said, that we're all built together as a priesthood of believers. We're living stones built together as the temple of God. Um, so feel free now, if anyone has something to say about Kevin's preach, any revelation on that going once, going twice. Then Jonathan preached on, um, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And Cliff has got something to say on that. I think if I can um, continue on what, uh, maybe just touch on one of the other preachers, is uh, uh, interrupting faith that God calls us to. Um, and, uh, but uh, Jonathan spoke something deep uh, and, and those of you that could hear him over the, the roar of the, of the wind and the rain and all the rest was, was something of trusting for our families, uh, believing, number one, for their salvation. Um, and uh, we had 11 people stay with us um, over the conference. So there were six up in our bedroom, a family of six. And then <laughs> three in the one bedroom, uh, a, a mom and her two children and another mom uh, and her daughter in the other room. And we slept outside and we got a little cottage outside, so we slept in the cottage. Um, but, you know, they came and uh, we know the, the one lady actually, the, talking about interrupting faith, she trusted God. She said, we know her from Oatson. So she had said uh, just a quiet prayer in her, please let let, if we can stay with Cliff and Keggs, and we'd thrown our name back in the pool, and it so happened that she got to stay with us. Um, and we know them well from Oatson, and uh, I'd actually baptized her uh, daughter when she was probably about 12 years old, uh, Nompi, and she's actually, she's studying this year in um, 
in Cape Town, and so she's uh, joining one of the congregations over there. But it was just a thrill to see, uh, you know, a family again that are serving the Lord and, and seeing a child come through and love the Lord. And, and we had a, um, uh, our daughter, uh, when she was in matric at one of the 412 conferences, been about two years of her doing her own thing and not serving the Lord. And actually, we uh, trusted God and, and, and really uh, prayed every morning. Uh, I, I said often, I said, I, I met with old Will uh, back then when he was alive. And I'd, I'd asked him about the, the you know, ha, because I know one of his daughters um, went off the rails for a while. And so my daughter was off the rails for about two years. And uh, he's, I wanted to get the, like, 10 points on, like, how to do this better, how to, like, you know, get my daughter to love the Lord. And uh, he said, pray. And for me, it was too simple. There. But it dawned on me, yeah, that's what I've got to do. So every morning, Kegs and myself prayed uh, for our middle daughter and trusted for her salvation again. And, um, and uh, five o'clock every morning, we did it for two years uh, and trusted. Uh, and at that 412 conference, she gave her life to the Lord and has radically changed. And it's been, uh, it's been a major change in her life for the last, um, what's it now, six years. So... Uh, you know, just knowing that, just as a father, seeing your child, you know, one of the things that Jonathan touched on was, he said, you know, uh, some, we, we need to be more concerned about our children's salvation than actually their education. They don't have to go to Harvard. You know, that can't be our pr priority. Our priority is actually that they come to know the Lord and, and love the Lord. Because... Um, from that, you know, their lives are going to change. They're going to make wise decisions. As a father, that's what you want. If you're not a father yet or you, have, you want your child to make wise decisions. And, um, and, and uh, she, came, uh, she came to the Lord. And, and for me, that was just uh, such a, a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, time in our lives of seeing God just change and, and, and bring our child in. And so he, he spoke about this salvation being the first point. And I won't go into the, all the rest, but I think that for me is something so crucial that we're trusting for our children's salvation. And one of the young, uh, the, uh, um, Debbie is uh, Zulu who stayed with us. So her and her daughter is actually, it's not her daughter, it's her sister's child, but she lives with her. Uh, was there, and she she was saying that she wants to be baptized, and she's she's probably grade eight. Um, so uh, I, I sat down and we spoke about water baptism, about what this commitment is, and she'd also gone gone off the rails. She'd been back into back down in Durban with her real mom, uh, and 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 in a sense, she'd lost something of the call of God on her life lost something about trusting God and, 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 and living for Him. And, and this is what she really desired. And that's, you know, sitting with this grade 11 girl going through water baptism was such a privilege for me. Just seeing her heart uh, so desirous of God and yeah, at the, at the 412 conference. So um, for me, it was just a, a wonderful thing of actually we need to be trusting. We need to be asking God and, and trusting Him for the supernatural. Uh, sometimes we just leave it over 
and think, okay, well, it's going to happen. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, um, prescriptive or I don't want to, uh, like, uh, we need to trust God. We need to, uh, I, I was going to read this, this scripture of the, sorry? Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, losing my train of thought there. Um, but so we, we, uh, we I went through water baptism with her, and then on the Monday, when the storm was hitting, there we were at um, Eden on the Bay, and uh, we baptized her. And uh, so it was such a wonderful thing, seeing a child come in. And, uh, and, and there's this, as I'm standing over here, there's children that I'm trust, trusting for. I'm trusting for Layla, with Declan. I'm trusting for his daughter to come to know the Lord. Uh, you know, it's so awesome to see guys that, that, that as I look over here, I mean, I look at James, you know, how he was not serving the Lord and, and knowing Todd is dead and he's sitting here, you know, knowing Max and there sits Brad, coming back to the Lord. You know, there, there's, we need to be trusting for our children, trusting for their salvation. Uh, um, and I believe that the, God, God wants to stir our faith this morning, even this morning, for those that don't know him, those that, that, that you know, your children, your friends' children, maybe your, uh, maybe your parents, for their salvation, because he can do it. We need to have, uh, Ewan spoke about that, and um, uh, interrupting faith. And I want to leave, I want to I read this, uh, this scripture of, the, uh, um, of, this, of this woman's faith. And uh, in, in Mark 7, it says, and, there, and from there he rose and went away to the region of Tyre and, and Sidon. And he entered a house and d- did not want anyone to know. He's talking about Jesus. Um, yet he would not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Sacrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be first fed. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And so he was talking about the Jewish people, let the Jewish people first come uh, and eat. And she said, um, because she's not a Jew, and, and she, but she answered him and said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. And sometimes we, we've got to be those that are trusting God. Trusting Him for, for something that might not be possible. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe you're battling with addiction. And you can't get free. God wants to do it. He wants to increase our faith. We need to be those that are, have a faith that is able to interrupt and trust God. For the supernatural. Amen. Amen. 
So I was encouraged. Because God's able to do it. And he's able to bring those that are far from him to him. He's able to, 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 to destroy those addictions that are in our lives. If we're those that are, are willing to ask him and come to him. And you mentioned earlier, let's give him a round of applause. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Um, you mentioned earlier in worship that it was also a trust thing, that we don't trust the Lord. We don't believe that God can. And Eric, then you brought that word in worship. Do you want to share that word quickly? It was in the lines of trust, eh? During, during worship, um, often I, I stand there and I look at these words and I really don't like singing something that I don't mean. And I'm sure a lot of you can resonate with that. Um, and so I was standing there and it's, you know, the treasure in the field, I give everything. And I, I really just, you know, after this last week, um, felt that I wanted to throw out that caution of the heart. You know, we don't wanna be people that stand and kind of give a lip service and, and just say, yeah, I give everything, but then it's Monday to Saturday, the same thing, the same thing. And I felt in that, there, I had a picture of just a, a caged bird. I don't have a bird, so I don't know their behavior, but the, the, the caged door was open, and one of the songs um, said about like, we, these people come with chains held, broken chains held above their heads, right? And I felt like there's a lot of people here who are in the bird's cage. And you look at your chains and they're broken. But you still feel that it's safer to be in the bird cage than it is to leave. And I want to ask if you're here today, if it comes to a response later, whatever it is, I want to ask that you don't respond out of a place because you feel like you're stuck in fear. I want to ask that you respond because potentially you don't trust God to do for you what he needs to do while you leave the cage. I'm sharing that firsthand because I've, I've, I've been there even recently, even going through stuff now. It's... It's scary out the cage, but the beautiful thing is you're in the hands of God. When you're in the cage, you're essentially in the hands of the enemy, not having to be, because your chains are broken. That, yeah, that was the... That's awesome. Thanks, Eric. <clears throat> um, and Lauren, you also brought a word in worship, just a testimony on... Um, just the experience through the storm. So I've never been to 412 before, and um, the first time when I found out it was gonna be over the public holiday, I was like, yes, I'm going, because I can never go, because it's um, you know, always uh, working. So um, the Lord, uh, I just felt um, about fasting that week, and then I was thinking about um, 412, and then I um, got to think of um, when Jesus had ascended into heaven, all the saints came together, and they were filled with Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And um, so in Acts 2, sorry, it's, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, 
Um, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were um, staying in Jerusalem and God-fearing Jews from every nation under he um, heaven when they heard the sound. crowd came to together in bewilderness in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken and it was just reminding me of like you know um, all the different 26 nations all together you know um, and uh, so yeah then um, spoken by the prophet Joel it um, shall came to pass in the last days says God that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions, your old men shall um, dream dreams. And um, yeah, just like how the tents were shaking and everything, it was just sort of reminding me of that scripture the whole time. And then on the Sunday, then there was like this big sort of sound of thunder. And um, one of the, the songs that um, I liked was, all the saints and angels, they bow before your throne. All the elders cast their crowns before the Lord, the Lamb. Sorry. <laughs> All the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. And from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. Well done, man. Well done. Thanks, Lauren. That's great. We're doing this for a reason, you know, reminding us um, we didn't want just to have that weekend and then we leave and it's forgotten. So we wanted to come back, share the time with the people that weren't there and remind those that were there of what God had done. So, yeah, there is a, there is a purpose behind this. We're not um, just making this up as we go along. Although we are, but... Um, great, thanks, Lauren. There, so that was the end of the first day. Um, Jonathan shared on, on praying for your family to be saved. And then day two, the Sunday, was uh, Dan, our infamous Dan Barnard. Um, he, he shared a word that was also really impactful um, just on how Jesus serves us. He serves us and he still serves us. He's still our servant king that um, petitions on our behalf that he's our advocate and working in us, serving us so that we can serve each other and serve the church and love each other. I see that hand, Delia. Um, and then he called for a response. Tracy, I see that hand. Nozi, okay, obviously that was an impactful preach. And I see that hand. 
Um, so he called for a response, and God did, God did something. Um, and that was really, so I'm going to let Lona share? No. You'll go last. There might not be time. Um, I don't know what everyone else is going to share. I know what you're going to share. So, Alan, you can come. We're going to break rank with Alan. Yes. I'm going to let you share now. <clears throat> so let's try to keep it as short as we can to, to give everyone a chance. Thanks, Alan. Mine's quite long. Morning. <laughs> okay, I don't normally come up and... And I wasn't even going to come up um, this morning uh, because I feel what I want to share is something silly. But it's huge for me. And then I said, Lord, give me a sign that you actually want me to share. And then Kegwin came up with that scripture this morning about the voice of the Lord. And right at the start, the first day, the introduction of 412, um, Chris Staples he spoke, he, he mentioned something about Jesus in the boat and calming the storm. And Jesus stood up and he spoke to the storm and it, and it calmed the storm. And the disciples said, who is this? That even the sea and the wind, um, you know, listens to him. And that started to resonate with me because I've been battling in my quiet time. Um, I haven't even been spending um, that much time with the Lord. Sometimes I have a good day, sometimes I have a bad day. Most of my time is um, with work. I've had a bit of a bad year at work. But that resonated with me on the first day. And then during Dan's preach on the second day, um, I was just reminded again, the Lord reminded me, during that call, I didn't go up. And one of the questions I think Dan said, or somebody asked him or shared with him, do you burn for the Lord? And my answer was no. And then there was the call. And Dan also spoke about the sons of thunder. And during that call, everyone was in their own space with the, allowing the Lord to work with them. Then there was a lone voice of a guy. He started to speak out loud. I'm not sure if he was speaking in tongues or if he was just praying out aloud. He, at that moment that he started to speak out aloud, was the very first time that we heard the thunder. And that just hit me. The voice of the Lord. Alan, you need to do something. And then the Lord reminded me of this picture. Um, I had forgotten about it. It's a table uh, where you eat. I love food. And it's how do we... There's the main table, I mean, the, the main seat at the head, fit for a king. And then as you go down the long table, you, you get the less seats. And the Lord showed me this picture and, and said, Alan, in your life, your daily life, who sits in the place of honor? And that's priority number one. And then as you move down, all the other things that take up your time uh, during a Pacific day. And when I looked at it, I looked for Jesus, sitting in the place of honor, and he wasn't there. Then I looked further down to all the other seats, and there's some days where Jesus is not even at my table. And when I looked again, you know who was sitting in the place of honor, or what was sitting in the place of honor in my life? 
And this is a picture I want all of you guys to actually take that picture and see who is sitting on a daily basis in that place of honor. You know who was sitting in my place of honor? Twitter. And right next to Twitter was sitting my work. The amount of time that I spend on Twitter to get my news, to get whatever, it's rubbish. And when that voice of the Lord through the thunder sounded, I took out my phone and I deleted Twitter or X. It's been a week now, I've not been on Twitter because it's not on my phone. It's awesome, thank you, Alan. Sure, that's powerful. Nozi. It can be. Okay. So, um, when Yuen, is this his name? Yuen. <laughs> so, when. Yours from Dan. No. Camping. Dan. Dan. Okay, we're going to call you for Ewan's next. Ewan. Sorry. <laughs> we're sticking to the order of the preachers. Is yours for Dan? Um, yeah, so I think probably of the two days, Dan's preach was one of the preachers that really impacted me. Um, and something that he said while he was preaching, he's, he was giving this, the, the story of when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Um, and I've read that story so many times in the Bible. Um, and then he spoke about like when we're serving and serving people and serving in the church. And sometimes it can be a place where you feel tired and you feel weary and you feel like you, you, you're doing it. And it almost becomes like you're doing it out of your own strength. And I think over the last little while, um, I really, as he said that, it really hit me. I was like, sure, Lord, I think... I think I've been there. I think I've been serving out of me, and it's made me tired. Um, and then we went into the response time afterwards, and um, Luke was obviously leading the response time. And I honestly, I was standing worshiping, and I felt like Jesus was kneeling at my feet, and I felt like he was washing my feet. Um, and I was like, I really, I've read that scripture so many times, but I've never had the experience of Jesus serving me and washing my feet like he did. Um, and it's really, it's ruined me because I've kind of, um, I've, I've had um, for a while, I've just, as I sit behind my piano, I've been just singing that song about, Lord, may I never lose the wonder May I never lose the wonder of who you are. And it was almost like God restored that in a moment. He restored again the wonder of who he is and the wonder of what he does. That who is a king, the king who would kneel at my feet and wash my feet and serve me in worship the way that he did. I thought I was going to do this without crying today. Um, and I was putting it off because I, um, I didn't want to share because I, I almost don't know how because God has just done so much this year and it's And so I just, I didn't, I don't actually even know, like, 
the order in which to sort of share this. So I've been really praying, um, and I, I almost have to just give you like a little bit of background information for this to make sense. But um, I reached a point last year where I just realized that um, I, I stopped trusting God um, for two reasons. Like the first one, I, I felt like I had no need to trust him because I just became completely independent, self-sufficient. Um, my job was stable. I was earning money every month. I had enough left over at the end of the month to do lots of shopping. And I just, like you just end up, feel you forget that you need to trust God. And then on the other side, there are areas in my life that I had stopped trusting God because I had given up hope. I had just become completely hopeless. And so I was just on this journey of just me. And I was saved. I knew I was saved and I loved the Lord, but I was just sort of doing my own thing. And I realized that and, and, and I realized that it was wrong. That's a dangerous place to be in. Um, and I started seeking the Lord and Ray and I both felt that I had to resign from my job. And, and even just in that, God has done so so much. Um, and then going to the conference this year, so this whole year has been a, a journey of, of learning to, tr to trust God again. And even just having a testimony from the conference is a testimony in itself because I've been going to 412, I don't know when it started, but I think the first time I went was in 2013. So you can say it's 10 years of going to the conference and this is the first year that God has actually done something in my life. Because it's the first time that I've gone in saying, God, I, I trust you. I need you to do a work in my heart because I'm not okay as I am. Um, and so, so when, Dan, when Dan was preaching, like, I think he had just started and already, like, I could just feel God was doing a big thing. And this whole week I've been on the 412 app because I was like, I think I need to listen to it again because God was actually doing so much. I don't know if I really heard everything um, and if I actually understood what he was saying. But essentially I realized that, so what I understood was that Dan was talking about an exchange. Like God serves us like it's a way of living. Like we receive from him and out of what we receive, we love others and we live our lives. But for me, because I was so, my, my independence and my self-sufficiency came from a mindset that I was trapped in, believing that I've received from Jesus my salvation, and that was like a once-off receiving, like I'm saved, and that's amazing, praise God, and now I just go on and, and live my life. And I didn't realize that it's, and it seems so simple now. Like once you see something, you're like, well, that's easy. But I was trapped in that thinking. And now I realize that it's, it's a way of living. It's like trusting God, receiving from him, and not just trusting for an outcome. I mean, it's been nine months. I don't have a job. Okay? <laughs> I'm trusting God. We haven't had some sort of significant increase in our finances, but it's because it's a trusting, a daily trusting that he's working. 
I don't just trust you and now I receive what I've trusted you for and glory, hallelujah, and I carry on. It's daily trusting God. I know that you are working. I know that you are changing me and I know that I can continue to trust you because it's not just about receiving the outcome. It's receiving daily the grace and the compassion and the love and then letting that flow through us as we love each other. And it's just changed my understanding of God. The way I see him, it's changed my understanding of my role in my marriage as a wife. It's changed my understanding of my role in this congregation and in the body. And just, um, I just thank God because it's completely changed me in like one, one day. That's awesome. Dan. Um, yo, uh, listening to your preach, I realize our brains work so differently. Um, because for me, like, um, uh, what really impacted me was calling and gifting. I don't know if that's because I'm ambitious or I don't know why, but I really felt like, um, like I was so hung up on, on gifting, you know, um, and then Dan spoke about our calling is not our gifting, you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, I can evangelize, I can lead, I can, I can worship God, I can, I can teach, I can do all these things for God, but I lost sight of what my calling was. And then Dan's preach really hit me because, like, he spoke about our calling is to, is to love God and to know God um, and to walk with God. Um, that's what I got from that, which was crazy. And, and then someone in the, uh, in the crowd from Edgemead uh, congregation came up to me and he said, I've got a word for you. And I said, okay. And he said, I see an acorn. And I said, well, what's going to happen next? Because an acorn, you know, what's an acorn? And he said, what's the job of an acorn? And you see, I was wrestling and struggling with God. God, what's my, what do you want from me? What must I do for you? You know, what must I do? Yeah, like, you know, and um, an acorn's job is literally just to, Acorn, you know? <laughs> an acorn dies and, and it falls in the ground and it grows into an oak tree, you know? And, and an oak tree is a place where people can come and seek shelter and be covered and stuff like that. And so I thought what God spoke to me in the preach and in that word was that my calling is to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, and to love my neighbor and my friends and my family as I love myself. And in that, that's, that's my calling. It's to love God with all my heart, with all my, all my strength, with all my mind. The gifting has got nothing to do with my calling, uh, which I felt what, what Dan was talking on, gifting and calling not being the same thing. And, you know, like, because it's easy to look at Dan and look at these guys that are teaching and say, wow, they're really gifted, you know, or they're really called. But we were all called to love God with all our hearts, all our mind, with all our strength, and to become oak trees, places of rest and shelter for those around us, that are in the storm of life, looking for help and for love and for protection. That's good, that's good. Noz. Okay, so when Ewan was preaching, what stood out for me, when he was uh, talking about that, when he grew up, when he was nine years old, um, he, he was given a bicycle from his sister 
and the bicycle was yellow, and he did not like the bicycle. And then he broke the bicycle, destroyed it, and then, and then he knew, he went to his mother, and his mother said to, to him, your father is coming, I'll, I'll tell him what you did. So he knew what was gonna happen, uh, the father was gonna punish him. And then the first day when the father came, he, the father worked from morning to, to the evening. So when the father came back, he pretended like he was sleeping. So all the time when the father came to his room, he pretended like he was like fast asleep, like snoring. And then the following day, the same thing happened. And, and the following day, and then it was the weekend. When it, when it was weekend, his father was not at work. So he waited for him downstairs. So he got a fright knowing that this is the day that he broke the bicycle. Then he got down. When he got down, his father had a new bicycle for him. So what stood out for me was that looking at my life, I grew up uh, with a similar father that my mom would be like, your father is coming. My understanding with, the f with my father was that he was gonna punish me. So when he came, when my father came at that time when he came, for him was like he was gonna punish me. So I realized that actually it's so easy that we look at God as a, as, as a father that's gonna punish us. And we sin and, 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 and go back and go back and, and fear and be scared that if, if now I turn around and come to God, he's that father because I have that picture of a father that is going to punish me. But he's such a loving father. So he, 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 he delayed his, his new bicycle for so long because he was so scared that the father was going to punish him. Yeah, so, so Ewan preached on um, this interrupting faith, so believing and trusting God uh, for the miraculous, uh, even as we believe for the salvation of people that we, um, that we know and that we love and we care for. Um, and you, he called for a response. So they've, I see that hand. They've been moving um, in, they, they've been seeing a lot of deliverance in their congregation in the Isle of Man, also, just trusting God for, for God to come and moving power. And the, so he called for a response. There was a massive response for guys to come just in repentance and trust for the breakthrough, breaking of addictions, uh, pornography, sexual, uh, sexual stuff. And I, I think that for me was impactful, the amount of people that came forward that are battling and struggling with these things. Um, yeah, I think we don't speak enough about it from, from the front here, that the impact of uh, pornography that's, that is having on our youth, uh, the next generation, that was also a massive thing. MC just calling out the next generation uh, of guys that are going to lead the body of God, the church, forward from, um, you know, when we're all old, there is another generation coming through, and this... Um, just the enemy wreaking havoc through this availability, the free availability of um, this perversion. Anyway, I digress. But it's something that we need to address. That it's, uh, I think also we need to trust for breakthrough, God, that God would set people free that are captive to this thing. 
Um, anyway, that was the takeaway for me on you and Jenna. We're running out of time. Hey, we need to end by ten thirty. Um, so I grew up in a very um, sheltered background and had pure parents and the pure, like, you know, we had purity was like a big thing for me. I'm growing up and I thought, um, you said a call for lust and I was like, ah, nah, I don't struggle with that. That's like, nah, I'm told with that. I don't, I'm not watching porn or something. I'm not, that's fine. And God was like, the Holy Spirit was like, shook me. Like, I didn't know what to do with the hick with myself. And I'm like, hiding. And I'm like, no, it's not just the big lust. It's a small, just uh, extra look at someone or like something that's just not honoring God. A moment of not honoring God, that is classified as lust in God's eyes. And I felt so like, I felt so like, shameful but more like so sorry to God like I felt so like I'd broken God's heart I'd broken what he had created um just in small small things and I realized that small thing isn't a small thing it's actually a big thing and then we need to repent of it so I went up I was like it's the first time I've ever had to repent of this thing I went up I felt embarrassed like as heck and there's my husband walking past my husband I haven't even told him <laughs> I mean, I'm like, looking, he's looking. And then, but I knew that there's something that I'm breaking in myself that I need to repent of. And I'm breaking it not just for me, but from, like, if I have kids, I'm breaking it for that generation. But there's something, but as breaking, like, ignore, uh, repenting of small sins that's going to break bigger sins. Like, we, stop, we need to repent of the small stuff so that the big stuff doesn't happen, like, we start on the small stuff and you don't dismiss those small things because God sees that and he wants a pure relationship with us. So yeah. That's good. Thank you. We run out of time, but I'd love to just end in a song of worship just to land. So let's stand. <clears throat> so just... Uh, yeah, so the, the conference, was, it was an amazing time. It was impactful. Yeah. One of the things that also stood out for me was, I think Leonard, he asked the guys, after there was this massive repentance, Leonard said that we need to walk this thing out. When we leave this place, it's not a, it's not a once-off Okay, you, you've repented, you've come forward. It's this uh, opening up our lives one to another again, bringing these things into the light continuous, continuously. Um, and even for this morning, that we don't leave from here, okay, that, you know, that was that. And we carry on with our lives like um, nothing happened, nothing changed. So trusting this morning, it was really that the, that the testimonies have, have uh, ministered to you and have opened, um, you know, just increased your faith your faith to trust him to believe that he's powerful he's able to move um, he's mighty to save and also that he's given us his Holy Spirit that each one of us have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside us that enables us 
and comforts us and strengthens us and convicts us and gives us the ability to walk this relationship out with each other. We need to lean on the Holy Spirit. Even as Alan was saying that you, you, you start to live your life one day from one day to the next without even considering Him. And the worries of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes choke the seed. They choke the living seed. So even now as we go into the song, just trust God for um, Him to stir up again. If you have felt that the worries of the world have choked and have um, almost tried to stifle or dim the light of God inside of you, trust now even this morning as we close that God would come and set that fire ablaze in your heart again. He's willing and He's able to. Amen.